0: back with another episode we haven't been canceled yet as always this is Jesse McCoy and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and the world's foremost legal uh humorist Sean Carter how you
1: doing man man i uh I, i'm kind of wet forever brother kind of forever <laughs> Yeah, man. Now, before we get to that, though, we have to deal with the, with the big issue in the news these days, which is, you know, the, the horrible tragedy of the school shooting in Parkland, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and the current debate we have over guns. I'm excited to bring this to you because not often do you get, um, you know, a brother like you who uh, is, you know, a gun enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, that by the way, also isn't dealing crack. So you know, <laughs> a regular, a regular a law-abiding citizen that the NRA is talking about, the good, good guy with the gun. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I want to I get you, you know your thoughts and and, and and perspectives on this. And probably the number one question we need to ask, cut through the chase of all the regulation and all this, is simply this: Why is it that as Americans, we want to shoot each other so much?
0: Man, that's a good question, man. And I think that's a question that's bigger than me. Um, I I know we talked a little bit about just the history of how we were founded. And I think part of that history becomes uh, a concept to a point where people say America was founded on the premise that you have the ability to overthrow a government or you have the ability ability to go out and take your own freedom. Right? There you go. So so the premise is you have a British Empire who all they did was tax you without you having a, a representative to go say, don't do this. That's all they did. We're not talking about we're taking you into slavery
1: or any of this stuff. <laughs> this <that. laughs> is We want you to pay extra for sugar, right? Oh, oh, by the way, this is great is, you know that the Tea Party tax was actually a decrease on the price of tea that they got all mad about because it was gonna then compete with American tea producers, right? So Mm -hmm. they were mad about a tax decrease and so mad (laughs) that they started a riot. Let's not call it the Boston Tea Party. What a euphemism. When when you do that, by the way, in Compton, or or you do that in in Ferguson, or you, you do that in Baltimore, it's called a riot. But when you go and break into people's stores, steal their tea and dump it in the water, all right, that's a riot. And that is the first act of national pride we have as Americans, all of us, that we celebrate the riot.
0: And they did it in blackface, dressed as Native American. <laughs> Thank you.
1: you. It don't get more American than that. To <laughs> you know, do something like that and then blame the person of color, right? You know, <laughs> it, it, you think about you know the mindset. We talked earlier about the national anthem. You know, the thing that they're so mad we don't stand for, and the national anthem is an ode to a military battle. And I'm still trying to think if that is the case. You know, why wouldn't America the be beautiful? Right, B B, you know Amber Graves and Wayne, you know Old Canada. I don't know any of the words. None of us do, and I don't watch hockey, so I couldn't possibly tell you. But I don't think the, the, the second stanza is about how we were shooting people, and it's then in the, the morning <laughs> we're happy somebody was still alive. Right? It's too soft. It's too
0: soft. If you going to have an anthem for America, you got to have bombs bursting in air. Thank you, right, Greg
1: Glenn. <laughs> Well, here's what I love about it is they even boosted up. I imagine I've seen battle. It's you know, back then they didn't have like, you know, what we have, you know, you know, kind of stuff you could do in Baghdad. They weren't lighting up the night sky. They there was one bomb that went off in air. Right. They didn't even have you know, any way to launch it. And they 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 embellish the, the the level of the carnage, right? <laughs> in, in in our national anthem because that is, you know, who we are. And, and I think, you know, that the idea of, of violence in America is so ingrained in who we are that, you know, it really is amazing almost that we that we don't have more uh, uh, um, gun gun violence. <laughs> I mean, you look at every period in America. So we get from, you know... <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Remind me if it went down this way. When when the settlers got to the New World, the Native Americans said, Hey, you know, why don't you go ahead and just take this whole country and we're gonna go to North Dakota? That's how it happened, right? <laughs> right? So this manifest destiny we celebrate, right, is just an armed struggle in which you massacre all the other people until you get everything you want in the country. And then then we say, Oh well, you know, I, here's what I think about it. The reason I think we're so ingrained in violence in America is because violence has been very, very good to us.
0: Absolutely. Violence pays, man. You know, everybody, you know, after, after 1945, you know, Japan was uh, devastated from the war and battles in the Pacific. And they were about two weeks away from wanting to surrender and Truman was like, F that. We want to unconditional. <laughs> Drop atomic bombs. So, so we go and we devastate an entire country and put the world on notice that we have an atomic bomb. You know why? Because it's really easy for everybody to want to negotiate with, with the country with the atomic bomb. That's why <laughs> nobody wants to fight the country with the atomic bomb. Even Russia was like, ooh. We haven't gotten that far yet. Let's wait a few years and see if we can, you know, maybe manipulate their president,
1: (laughs) presidential election. And then maybe we can come up. I know. But here's the weird part is, though. The weird part is, even though we got we got this huge advantage over everybody, at least for a little while, and, and we still have advantage over, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, et cetera, Libya. But, you know, what? if you don't have an atomic bomb, we will come down to your level to fight you there, too. All right. <laughs> and, and despite the fact that no one has started a fight with us, we still still started a whole bunch of fights between now and then, right? And, and, and we're not done, right? We, we're thinking of people, new people to, to, to fight with. There is something about us a, 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 as a country, and I'd love to just blame this on, on the government, but individually, you know, I'm not sure that there isn't something about us. So, perfect example is, look at just our national pastime of a sport, Mm-hmm. The rest of the world, like soccer. Right. You don't get to knock anybody down in soccer. Right. You get a penalty for that. If you, when you see those guys fall down and lay on the ground for like an hour and we, we call them names. Um, right. you know, it, our national pastime is a football. I right. Guaranteed brain damage at least every other play. All right? Absolutely. And, and, and,
0: and, I expected expect... <laughs> it with my
1: NFL Sunday ticket. <laughs> as much as I'm paying for these games. Well, and, and I got to tell you, there is something even in me as an enlightened lawyer and, you know, and legal ethicist that viscerally enjoys a good hard hit. Right, right. Right.
0: And, and you know, what it is is I think that we kind of set the tone for the world. Right. You remember right after we did the, our revolution against Britain, then France was like, hey, we we can do that too. <laughs> and I think that was our calling card. That's why our national anthem is, is so, it glorifies violence so much because this was the calling card to the world. You know that big country that used to own us and run stuff? <laughs> well, we took over. We're the new theme in town. And you're going to do what we say, and you can be like us, and if you don't do what we say, then we'll take you over and make you like us anyway. And that's that's kind of how we come. You you go from that right. to the westward expansion, the manifest destiny years, where it was like, yeah, we know we told you know you Native Americans that you could have you know the the <laughs> Great Plains and, and beyond. F all that, you know, we take we take you back. So you have that. You have oh, yeah, slavery, yeah. where it's like, well. We don't even value you as a person. You're going to be proud. When, when we move, you move. So you got that. Then you go through <laughs> your your civil war where they fought each other, which is, which, which is crazy. This is like right. they talk in the books about brothers fighting brothers or sons fighting fathers all because the father wanted to have a slave and the son might have been dating well, a girl no, who he, didn't he, believe in slavery. Of, so, <laughs> that's
1: 150 years ago. They a and family. they are still reenacting that war. And by the way, right. they're not reenacting mm. the World War I and the Korean conflict, all right? Not even the Revolutionary War. They like that war because that's maximum American death. Right. That's American on American, right? That's the most violent you can get, right? A civil war. That, right. is, our, that, that is our glory, right? right? The people still want to fly the flags from. There's something weird about us as a people. And I, I, I don't want And here's somebody I, I would love to say. I, you know, man, Absolutely. I love to blame it on white people. I, I, I really would. Um, but but I even see some of that, you know, um, you know, mm-hmm. popping in, in, in into the rest of us, in um, ways. And by the way, in which you know, you and I were raised, you know, which is, you know, the favorite expression we had growing up was, uh, "I ain't no punk." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the way you know your mama would say that right, to you right. too right <laughs> by the way you ain't gonna no, get out there and fight somebody right and and, and the idea that we yeah. had you know, even, you know even raised them right. back then you know our whole community you know that yeah you know you need to show you know who you are and, and i imagine that little you know japanese boys and girls aren't raised that that you need to go whoop somebody's butt i could be wrong
0: Okay, Well, see, man, I, th- I think there's a lot of levels to it, though. I think on, on the first level, um, you've got people who wanted to, uh, well, at least in my, my experience. Right. If you have people who are in a lower income area like I was, there's a sense of valuelessness or worthlessness that everybody embodies. And so in order to feel some kind of artificial okay. value or worth, you have to dominate somebody else and it could be dominating them in a sport or it could be dominating them in the street, like embarrassing people at school, beating up people at school, being a bully. And the problem is that's a double-edged sword because when you start dominating, then somebody's going to want to dominate you or somebody's going to get tired of being dominated. So they're going to fight. And it it creates a a chaotic situation for which everybody needs additional insurance (laughs) because you're not going to win all the fights. It's just not, it's not possible. Sooner or later, your reign of terror will come to an end, and then you go from being the bully that used to get everybody's lunch Ugh. money to being the person that everybody steals on because <laughs> of what you did to them. Um, and, and I think in getting to our gun argument, that's where the injection of guns in our communities really started taking hold. People started saying, you know what? I'm getting tired of getting beat up. I'm getting tired of not having the power. I can go in here, get this gun out the dresser. And when I come back, everybody's going to do what I say. And I'll have value and I'll have power. And I think people went in and they, they took this to heart. But all it did mm-hmm. was the arms race. So somebody would say, well, if he got a gun, I'm going to get a bigger one. And before long, everything just spins out of control. Um, And if you add that to what we were talking about before with the backdrop of American history and our emphasis being on those people who are brave, courageous, strong, those are all code words for have multiple guns. <laughs> no, I mean, I and mean, I think about it. You know, you know, that's in literally. addition to
1: the sports, you know, in addition to, let's say, football. You know, one of the things that that's most embarrassing to me, and I'm only going to admit this in the podcast. And if we ever blow up big as a podcast, I'm going to take this episode out. Is, is 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 that I watch a boxing match from time to time. Now, the thing that's embarrassing (laughs) to me about this is, is I know better. It's one thing if I didn't know better. And I remember I was talking to a doctor friend of mine and we were talking about the fight and he got the fight. Uh, it was one of the Floyd Mayweather fights. And I said, man, you got the fight. You invite people over? He said, I can't invite people over, man. I'm a doctor. Right, you know, uh-huh. you you know what kind of you know message that sends to people that I'm supposed to be saving lives. And I'm sitting here rooting for people to give each other brain damage. And people would my doctor friends would throw me at the hospital if they knew. Now they probably all watching it themselves, but they're you know, trying to keep it on down low. Right, and I realized that you know there's something that if we thought right. about it logically, you would never support two men in a contest in which the goal is for them to hit each other repeatedly in the head until one person is not able to stand up. For ten seconds. That's the goal of the contest. All right. That that's not much different than, than a gladiator <laughs> fight or basically cockfighting for adults, right? And, and and we know that what's happens to you at the end of this because we've seen Muhammad Ali and every boxer afterwards, right? We know that you know you're not going to go out and uh, become president after you had a career in mm-hmm. the ring, right? And, and and yet America is a sport in which right. boxing right. is right. by far, by far the most a popular, revered—you don't become a big fighter until you come to America to fight, right? You could make a lot of money playing soccer anywhere else. Which bad time to say what? You go, you going pro? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I guess it's a bad time. To... Ah, see? I, okay. No, I guess it's a bad time to tell you I was a boxer. Uh, <laughs> For, uh for about a week um and it, and it wasn't it wasn't the the fighting that actually carried me away it was the training for the fight the fight is the fight is literally like twenty minutes the, the
1: <laughs> I have a real aversion to being hit in the face uh i got hit in the face the last time i was thirteen and uh it's gonna be the last time all right <laughs> If, if, if I think you can hit me in the face more than once, uh, we're gonna have to talk this out. All right. I'm not having anybody hit me in the face because that hurts you. You know, you, you, especially be in the nose, right? You know, you can't, you know, the eyes start running. No, I, I am not having that happen to have me in, again. All right. Um, and I assume people hit harder than like I hit when I was 13. And so generally speaking, I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna try to avoid that. So I, I couldn't even get with you on the training. I, I, you know, but the idea though is watching it, you know, and I don't know, like I said, you know, the fact that I'm not sure if this translates in the gun violence because the, the situation that happened in these schools are much more complex than this. And, and they involve a lot of more issues in this. But that's not the only deaths we have. I love someone who pointed out the other day that the day, for instance, that that horrible tragedy happened in Parkland, that wasn't the most killing that went on in America. That was just the most killing in one place. All right. But there were many more people, you know, shot outside of that place than, than got shot in that place that day. right, we we lose about a hundred people a day, um, in various shootings. And it's like all the things we think about now are how to stop the school shooting, keep the school safe. But, um, you know, that's not the only place that's some shooting going on. And there, there's just a general, I think, you know, idea in America that, um, and and I don't know if it comes necessarily from that life is stupid, but that, you know, there's a, there's a, a a glorification of, of, of violence. And you know, I don't want to sound like when people says, "Oh, it comes from movies and and TV." Um, I think it comes from everything we talk about, from the founding country and how we think about you know violence. And that violence is, you know, another way, right, to get to where you're going. But I give you an example when we talk about movies. It's not that the movies are on screen you see the acts, but the way the characters are portrayed. The Godfather was not a homicidal maniac that we should all avoid. He wasn't Hannibal Lecter. He was it. There are people who modeled their lives after trying to emulate his business practice. <laughs> right? I mean, people cried when he died. Spoiler alert. Uh Godfather dies. <laughs> you know, we got brothers now who couldn't even get in the mob because, you know, they don't let us in who, you know, named that rec- record labels right after, after after the mob you know john Gotti had a had a reality show before he went to prison you know this is the kind of thing where you know it's not just that the violence happens but that you know we're not often on the bad we're not you know that, that we actually like the violent people we talked earlier about dexter did you hate dexter
0: i love dexter i thought <laughs> dexter was great I love all shows where there's gratuitous violence and and shooting and everything. (laughs) Like I need to see people getting pistol whipped. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's part of my American conditioning. Um, No, but but the concept with Dexter. I mean, of course, it always goes to the quality of the writers. But the concept was there's a serial killer who is only killing other serial killers because his uh, father recognized at an early right. age that he was going to be killing people anyway. So he <laughs> said, at the very least, I can give you a code right. as to what to live by. And it made it more acceptable to us, even in those rare situations where he had to kill people who weren't serial killers. Right. It was like, well, we understand he's on the run. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like He's got
1: he's to got, do well, what he got to do. Well, th- that's <laughs> the thing is, is that, think about it. We're fine if you kill people who deserve to be killed. Right. Now, here's the weird part is not everywhere in the world do they think that people deserve to be killed. No. Right? Absolutely. It blows our minds that we could think of that. And by the way, this is not even just a a, a, a liberal conservative thing. California a few years ago tried to get rid of the death penalty on a ballot initiative. Mm -hmm. It lost. People in California, right, were like, no, no, no. We want to kill people who deserve to be killed. All right. 60 to 40. We want to kill people who deserve to be killed, all right. Right. And 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 there's something. And now and remember, and in this California, which means it had to be all the white people, and even some of the black people too, and 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 Latinos. And by the way, we're usually more wary of the death penalty because we realize that uh, any one of us are a fits the description, right? We might be in the chair. So we generally are kind of reticent about it. But even in places like California, we have a lot of minorities, it still passes a woman. Here's the thing about it is, California doesn't even use the death penalty that often. They might do it once a decade, but they want to have the option of killing people who deserve to be killed. That is, but that's American, you know, in, in, in an industrialized world, that's an American, you know, sort of a rarity. You know, most other countries, they're not. You know, in America, the only thing we fight about what the death penalty is is, is 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 who should get killed and what method we should use so right now, the big debate in 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 the last few terms of Supreme Court term is should we keep using the cocktail and what if you run out of the good medicine? can you try to substitute like <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm kidding, there was a case a couple of years ago in which oklahoma Ran out of the the, the killing medicine, mm-hmm. and the company that sells it doesn't just kill to kill people. They sell it for other reasons. They're like, no, no, we're not going to sell you anymore the killing medicine because you keep abusing it. So Oklahoma was like trying to borrow some from Texas. Texas like, no, 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 you got to get. They were like, they had a, hey love tape. Right. Hey brother, you got to get your own. Right, right, all right. No, no, no. they tried to buy some in their mama's name. Right, right. And they, they couldn't get any. <laughs> they couldn't get any medicine, and so they had to they convened a panel. Now remember, you can't get doctors. To try to give you the cocktail because they have the Hippocratic Oath. Right. So they got together like pharmacists and plumbers, you know, uh, exterminators and tried to figure out a way to create their own medicine. They came up with their own medicine and it didn't work. Mm. And so, of course, so, so (laughs) the plaintiffs went to court and they were like, look, this is bad killing medicine because it doesn't kill us. And of course, like, okay, we, we, we'll let them kill you. But, you know, if it's, if it's not going to do the job, we might not let them do it. But you see where, how perverse our arguments are. Right. Is that we accept the assumption, the the, the presumption that somebody deserves that needs to be killed? We got that. It's how you kill them. You know, if you kill the right number of people, you know, kill them too many black people, that's maybe a problem. But somebody at some point needs to get killed at, just to make the system work. Well, you you know, there's and, one and, of the states, and I want to say, I want to say it's Utah,
0: but one of the states have the death by firing squad. They they line up <laughs> the three people, and only one of them has a loaded gun. And yes, but. <laughs> that... <laughs> Keep going. You, you get, uh, get blindfolded. The person with the loaded gun doesn't know that they have
1: it. And three shots, one of them hits. Game over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Now, I understand the procedure. It's, you got exactly the right principle. I think it might be different. I think it may be more shooters. And they actually do it this way. Everyone but one person has a loaded gun. Uh, one person does not have a loaded gun. But here's the deal is – Nobody knows who has the loaded gun. So every person could, in their mind, if they want to, go, okay, I didn't kill anybody today. Now, who do they get people to do this from? They take police officers. Now, they're not going to take a police officer in the line of duty because they're not going to pay you to kill somebody. They don't have paid executioners. So they take off-duty police officers. On their day off, they volunteer to do this duty. There is a waiting list to get to shoot people because there are more police officers who want to shoot people than people who are up to be shot.
0: No! <laughs> yes!
1: I'm shocked
0: that police officers want to kill someone.
1: Think um, about how crazy that is. The people who <laughs> will preserve and protect you on their day off can't wait to go shoot somebody in the chest. Alright? Well, you and, know, and, and,
0: you know somebody, somebody convicted of the death penalty can make you reasonably fear for your safety in your life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And think about it. It's because it's Dexter, these people who deserve to be killed. And here's the thing about this. I don't say that there aren't people who aren't dangerous and all that. But the idea that in the twenty in the 21st century, that, you know, all of us, and I think even me, too, I watch Dexter. I, I like the guy. All right. And I remember I told you I rooted for him in that season where the black guy was his arch enemy, the black cop who wasn't right. a serial killer. i for talks. Dexter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, rooting for, I'm rooting for the white boy, all right, yeah. to, to, to get away with it, and, and you know. And I think he had to kill brother at the end. I'm like, "Oh, brother, you got to go. I got to get Dexter to keep doing my killing for me." And, and and I think there's something about that mindset that's bizarre because you could do other things with people than kill them. But part right. of us are like, "No, no, 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 no. You, you you deserve a, a good, good killing from time to time." And I don't think that they do that everywhere in the world. Now, you and I, unfortunately, are not the most travel people, so we can't right. tell. But we know one place they don't do that. What's the place they don't do that? Wakanda. There you go. They don't do that in Wakanda. (laughs) Wakanda. For those of you who don't know, tell them about Wakanda.
0: So Wakanda is basically heaven on earth. It's a place where uh, black people have an unlimited supply of a precious metal called vibranium. And that metal is worth more than anything that anybody has to even be able to pay for anything. Stop. Now <laughs> we didn't tell people by the way
1: that because you and I know we're talking about Black Panther, the movie, right. which may or may not be so what kinda may or may not be a real place. We, we we do have to make that clear. All right. So so go ahead. You're talking about how we have this precious metal vibranium continue.
0: Yes. And it is ruled by a group of tribes that elect or basically appoint one person or one family to lead under their Panther like goddess or goddess symbol. And the person they pick or next in line is T'Challa. T'Challa is a leader in every sense of the word, but he is also a good guy. And this becomes a conflict for him because the adversary in this uh, story is a Wakandan American who was raised in Oakland and whose uh, father ended up meeting an untimely demise. I'm trying not to do too much for the spoiler alerts, but, you know, (laughs) but, but for all intents and purposes, this person had a rough life and they're American. So they decided that since they were denied access to the resources that would have easily been able to help them escape their Americanized situation, they want to exact revenge and then take over and administer things the way that they feel like the, the the diplomacy should be administered um and and in so doing, the movie shows a tremendous series of conflicts that you know affect not only black people really from transatlantic regions from both Africa and America but also our internal positions, right? So you have some people who say the villain's not really a villain because he wants to expand the riches of this country to help liberate all other black people in all these other places, right? And if you take away him, you know, doing all the evil stuff that he did to make him a villain, then you'd be right. <laughs> so, um, Then other people will say, well, the king of Wakanda, T'Challa, wasn't doing enough to expand the relief to black people internationally. And what we were talking about earlier is it's very interesting how the person who's American is thinking guns fight, guns fight, overthrow the oppressor. And the person who is Wakandan or we'll say African for all intents and purposes is thinking well? No, let's take care of our community.
1: Nah. <laughs> so, so. No, no, it, it, exactly. And, you know, and, and the thing that you know, let's take a step back because you know this is was was a moment for 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 Black Americans that I imagine was like um, when, 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 when 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 Tiger won the Masters. The only thing I think I can think of, um, you know, um, when, when when we sort of you know, I guess the bigger moment, I guess, would have been, this was the biggest thing we had since Obama got elected, the inauguration, right? Yeah, a day where, you know, absolutely. every Black person, and it was just a different thing where it's almost like every Black person was your brother and sister. So, so I go to a movie theater I go to, and I and I confess, I, I, I lost a couple of points. One, I didn't go the first weekend. I went Tuesday after, all right? So, Already, I lost about 70, 80% of my blackness, all right? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm very light-skinned. I'm Steph Curry at this point, okay? Um, <laughs> but I'm trying to get my blackness back. And, and so I go to the movie. The sister takes our ticket, the elderly sister, and she was like, oh, I'm so happy to see you guys here. You know, not a lot of us here, but I'm glad, you know, to, to go to see, see some of you. Uh, she didn't say that when we mm-hmm. went to see, um, you know, uh, Cars 3. Or, you know, Toy Story, right? right? right. Um, you know, it, you know, it was, it was right. a, it was a different thing. My son's principal at his school is a black guy. And I drive up and he gets the kids out of, out of school. It's a very small school and he sits me in the back. He says to me, brother, you see the movie? He didn't say, do you see Black Panther? He said, did you see the movie? Right. And all I did was right. I just gave him the hands on the chest, right? Did a cross of the chest thing, right? right. <laughs> he, he did it back to me. In front of four hundred white people, right? Getting out of school. <laughs> now he probably ain't not even he probably don't have a job anymore. He's probably not principal anymore. All right. <laughs> it probably made him janitor. <laughs> That's way too much blackness. But there was that feeling of like right. unity, And the thing about it is is like you saw that with one of the Wakandans himself. Right. Right? And and, and 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 you know, and let me ask you this. How long do you think we can keep that together as a people? Well, you know, I actually think this
0: provides a great opportunity. Really, not just for uh, Black people in America, but Pan Africanism for, for transatlantic stuff. Yes. What yes. my hope is, and, and this movie did something ridiculous like three hundred and sixty million dollars in its first opening weekend, uh, and I think two hundred and seventy million of that was American. Um, so we're talking about people from well outside of America who are watching this in addition to everybody in America watching it. And I'm, I'm right. thinking that, you know, because the uh, director, Ryan Coogler, went so far to make it an authentic film that, you know, really embraced a lot of the cultural traditions that are found on the African continent uh, and, and merged that with an awareness and understanding of the Black experience in America, I am hopeful that for anything that happens, we'll be able to communicate. And I know we've already seen some communication on social media with people who wore African attire, and I know there have been some people from Africa who may have had some feelings about that, and we've said, well, this may be a teachable moment for you to tell us, what does this mean? Or, you know, how can we do it in a way that's not, you know, that you don't feel is disrespectful, but still honor our claim to the same heritage that we were taken from.
1: So, well, no, you know, exactly. You know, and I, I gotta tell you, man, that I think will be the, the biggest thing about this is, you know, and, and this is, you know, partly us reaching back and, and partly them, 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 and I say them, I mean, you know, the, the real Africans. Um, but those of us who have been exiled for the last few year, uh, years in America, um, you know, to be able to reach out because, you know, the, the challenge is, or the sadness is, is that, you know, we don't have, um, you know, that same affinity. That 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 same knowledge that someone you know f- from you know Italy would have about Italians. Yeah. Now part of that is because Africa is too large of a continent, right, for us to have a connection with. Because you know, some, none of us can say, oh, you know, I'm Benin or 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 or, or you know, Ghana or Nigerian, yeah. because we don't know. Although maybe with the twenty three and Me and the DNA stuff now. We can start getting a little more, you know, specific heritage. I think part of the thing that that, that you know, you don't see a lot of European Americans saying, you know, I, I'm going back to the old continent, Europe, Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this particular affinity about a particular place, a particular time, particular people, particular food, and you know, Africa's a big place. Right. And, you know, but maybe maybe we'd come to that thing where, you know, I'd, I'd be thinking, you know, that I was more Benin and, 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 and to go. And you'd be thinking oh, I'm more, you know, Etorian or or or, or South African. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I think, you know, it, it's very difficult, though, for us to come up and have that kind of respect for ourselves if we're not respecting, you know, the original black folks.
0: Right. And, and I just want to take a moment to shout out a potential sponsor, African Ancestry. Dot com you know you can send your DNA and they will be able to trace uh what tribe they suspect that you're from based on your mitochondrial really? DNA yep yep so dot ancestry.com if you uh, are listening uh you can send the check uh brothers-in-law <laughs>
1: Man, I got, I'm gonna get mine. They send the a check for yours. Get a commission for mine. I got I to gotta do mine, and, and you know th- that would become a, a thing. But you know, especially you know the unity here mm-hmm. um, would be nice. And we have those moments where you know we're all feeling you know unified, and and somehow they they tend to um, you know to to lessen over time, which I guess is, is always the case. But I don't know about you, but you know, I, I, and I've been here in in the wilderness in Phoenix. So uh, I, I've only seen only black people I've seen in my, are in my family. Okay. Uh, for, for for the last week and a half. Um, but you know, when my son got home from work last night. I made him do the thing. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, and he didn't want to do it till he was looking at me like, "What's wrong with you? It's the two of us, right? How are you gonna do this? I'm like, "You going do the thing from that one? Right. Um, you know, I, I, I looked at my wife and I was like, "Baby, and she's like, "Really? We, we 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 don't kiss now anymore. We just do the thing. We just do the thing. All right, we doing the thing from now on, and and and, and, and you know. Like I said, you know, I'd be, I post it on Facebook, you know, hopefully that we, something will stick from the movie. Um, and also that appreciation you know, what I loved about the movie was you don't get to see Africa. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen it be, 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 a place that you want to, you know, that, that was seen of, you know, as a place of wonder and beauty, uh, since, um, the opening scenes of, uh, coming to America. Right.
0: <laughs> right. And, and that, you know, it's a lot of misconceptions about, Africa as a continent. First of all, just for the listeners, Africa is a continent. It's not
1: a country. Right. Not a country.
0: <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the there's so many misconceptions. And one of the things, you know, I have a lot of friends who do a lot of travel and who've lived abroad in Africa and all that. And one of the things that they often tell me, particularly in South Africa, is there are a lot of people from other cultures that come to Africa for... Uh, business ventures, advertising, uh, filmmaking, all kinds of stuff. But the people who right. don't come to Africa are typically people like us, like people in America. The main people right. who probably should be coming to uh, to just find out culturally about what you know, where we're from and our history. And one of the other things is, you know, I think the movie does, does a good job of highlighting the way that these cultures can all differ. But have a common, united goal, right? And and you never saw anybody in any of their fight scenes use a gun. That that was the, that was a big thing. Like if if they're not using the gun, then is it that this concept of our dependence or reliance on firearms is uniquely American? And quite possibly, if that's if that was if that's what makes us uniquely American, then how do we address it to stop these massive casualties, both in the inner city or you know the school shootings? They get everybody's attention because people's kids are are you know being victimized, uh, and nobody wants to to know that their kid is being sent to school. Also, we want to deal with why um, our politicians and all of their esteem and intelligence are saying that. All we need to do is give teachers guns, and, <laughs> uh, and that will solve the problem.
1: You know, of all of the stupid um, that we encounter in a particular week, and we see a lot of this in, in, in Washington um, and, and, you know, state houses everywhere, that had to be the dumbest idea. But it's also the most quintessentially American idea. <laughs> right is that basically the idea remember the premise is nothing can stop a bad guy with a gun but a good guy with a gun right, all right. now th- there's no one understands the assumption here is if the bad guy doesn't have a gun then you don't have to stop him right all right then then we don't have to worry about that so much all right so one the idea is like you know you figure out a way to 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 get the guns all right out, out of the hands of the bad guy mm-hmm. but also the idea That good and bad are so easily established and that it's so easy to determine who good and bad is. All right. So that a teacher in a room full of children will know who the good one is and be able to take him out. All right. Before now, members, African Americans, you brought this, this point up to me when we were talking earlier. Mm Uh, who gonna be the first people shot, uh, in, in, in the school shootings by the teachers?
0: Well, I can say this. If if you are a black student in the inner city, um, you, you need to do a test on your teacher tomorrow. What you need to do is get up spontaneously and rush the desk and, and ask a question. When you get to the desk, ask a question about your work. If they, jump, <laughs> if they jump when they see you coming, that means that if they had a firearm, you would have been shot. OK, thank you. And, and we're dealing with, I don't know about everybody else, but in North Carolina, our teachers are, I think, national news has reported how underpaid our teachers are. Right. Um, and they're dealing with classrooms of upwards of 30 kids for every one teacher. And they're dealing in a lot of times in communities that don't look like them. So they're, you know, either the young white teacher who just graduated from college and now she thinks she's Michelle Pfeiffer coming to the inner <laughs> city school and not Yikes really prepared for, for the issues that she's facing. And there's only two ways that situation ends. Either, you know, she's going to get very scared and jumpy or she's going to end up pregnant. That's, what I, that's the way that situation is. So I'm nervous about any situation where we're going to put the burden of safety on a teacher we're gonna say train on a weapon first of all where is this money coming from for guns and ammunition when last i checked teachers were going in their own personal pocketbook right to pay for school supplies Not again, uh, so that
1: <laughs> school supplies the clock the, the ammunition the training the fire train and by the <laughs> way you know the idea of a a a a, a mass, you know, to be able to deal with, well, by the way, we under, we're not, they're not saying we want them to have some minor amount of self-defense that could break up a fight between two teenagers. No, we want mm-hmm. you to be able to go in a situation where someone has an automatic rifle and that you need to be able to do the combat training that, by the way, we saw in the, in, in the Parkland case, that the police officer, the resource officer, the good guy with a gun, who's on the campus, When the student shooting came on, you know what he did? He said, my name is Bennett. Uh, I ain't in it. I'm going to make a donut run. Anybody, you, want, you want, you want sprinkles on yours? We had literally a guy today, we ended up resigning because he did not go towards the bullets as they were being fired. And, um, because he wanted to go home. Now, if a cop wants to go home at the end of the night, I imagine the teacher wants to too. The only good thing about arming the teachers is it might help them in the next pay and raise negotiation. They, they, they <laughs> might get a decent salary. if They all show up the Capitol strapped. Um, but, but the idea—what was that about the raise, superintendent? Thank you. <laughs> but the idea yeah. that we would now you know make our teachers do something that, by the way, you know we train Navy SEALs to do this. Okay, um, right? You know, and, and that they would have to be both cop and teacher. All right. In the situation where we still have so, you know, so much, you know, uh, you know uh, in, uh, unintentional and intentional, but unconscious bias, uh, is certainly not a good thing for, for black people. And all, a lot of the situations, you know, solutions that are being discussed, they work out differently for us somehow. Um, you and I talked about, for instance, reasonable things like, um, gun registration and, 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 you know, maybe, uh, insurance requirements. You have a car, you have to right. insure against damage if it's done to another person. Insurance for, um, guns could be a, a thing. Um, but the problem is, of course, for us is that it works out differently.
0: Absolutely. And see, the, the, the last thing as far as the teachers go. Okay. We, we, we saw every day in I think in 2016, I think in 2017 they did a better job of keeping it under wraps. Uh, but we saw like every night in 2016, there was a different black person killed by police mm-hmm. who said, "I fear for my life." Oh, now take that and you say, what do police get that teachers don't? Police are trained. <laughs> they have access to uh, firearms training. Um, courses that they can take on firearms, on communities, relationships. um, And they're not expected to teach algebra. Thank you. So so you take all that and you say, okay, well, we're going to give guns to teachers and now have them in the position of law enforcement. Well, you know, I just can't help but see that teachers are also going to be afraid of potentially losing their lives whenever there's a black student that they feel like is unruly or even if a black student that just doesn't respond on key to what they ask. So I just think it's not going to end well for the black community. And I think the bigger issue that that we're trying to figure out and everybody's trying to solve in their own way is they want to decrease school shootings in areas where white people's kids (laughs) go. Like that's pretty much it. And, um, and we also want to do that by some degree of gun reform. Now, that gun reform argument seems to have taken a turn to an NRA versus white children argument based on CNN's high school uh, cross-examination <laughs> of, of of Marco Rubio and, and, and other members of, of government. Um, but, you know... I think it's important for us to, to properly define uh a gun owner versus an NRA spokesperson, right? Uh and, and the different demographics that they're catered to. And I think most gun owners, most responsible gun owners, believe that it's okay if you want to ban M16s and AR 15s okay. and AK 47s from you know society. We understand there's nothing about that gun that's going to be used to go kill deer. It's, it's just not, I mean, unless you like Swiss cheese deer, it's just not going to be the kind of thing that, that you're going to use. So I think we would understand that. What gun owners don't want is for their recreational activity or their hunting activity, or even just for home defense. They don't want their item of choice to be taken right. away uh, because then they won't. they'll feel like they won't be able to Either do the recreational things they love or protect their home. Um, At the same time, I think that you do have right wing crazies that the media oftentimes exploits to make people feel like all gun owners are these right wingers, 450 gun having, you know, Confederate flag waving, you know, Yosemite Sam people. And and I definitely think that's the demographic that the NRA is catering to, but I don't think that that's representative of your typical gun owner. Um, and, and because of that, you know, everybody, it's easy to pick out those people when they're being paraded on TV. Uh, but the first thing they'll tell you whenever there's a school shooting and it's always, at least it seems to be recently, always a young white man and they'll always say, Oh, well, you know, we didn't see right. this coming. He was troubled. There was mentally ill, a lone wolf. Um, you know what I'm like, Everything to, to draw some degree of sensitivity to his plight or his issue. And he just killed 17 people. Right. Right? Um, not to mention he's racist and a whole bunch of other <laughs> stuff that we knew about ahead of time. But, you know, that gets downplayed for the trauma that he experienced as a child when his parents says he didn't get but the toy well, see, that and this to is why
1: i think it is so interesting because you know, you and I have been, to some degree or another, involved in these debates and and social media. You've been smarter than I have. You really kind of stayed out to the extent you could for, for a while, as long as you could. But eventually, you got kind of sucked in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I now have a, have a post going on that, that I'm getting literally since we've been on on the podcast probably forty comments from uh, from people who are you know are are, are and, it's, and it's 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 a lot of the nutty stuff. All right, but the thing about it though is is I don't even know why I'm involved in this because because for black people it is a, such a totally different issue um than right. at least you know, you know for 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 non-bougie black people like us it's a totally different issue because the things that are concerning people is not that these are just kids but that they are middle class and upper middle class kids because the general idea yes. in america is we don't care if you shoot poor people that's that's your fault for being poor you know, think about it. You know, There were this <laughs> many deaths last weekend in Chicago, probably more. Okay. Nobody's concerned because, mm-hmm. you know, you're poor people. That's what happens to poor people. All right. You should, your parents should have worked harder. And, and, and we feel that way even in the trailer park. No one is concerned about even poor white people getting killed. What bothers people here is that right. this could be my school. I worked hard. I got right. a college degree. This shouldn't happen in my school. Not in fact, it happens, you know, on the way home from Ray Ray school. Not a problem. That, that, you know, that's Taquana's problem. But, 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 for, you know, right. for people of means, or like I said, not to be rich people, but just middle or upper middle class people, they're scary. You know, if it can happen at a, at a concert, at a movie theater, then it, it's scary. It's real. So all of the solutions they deal with are simply this, which makes sense to say, look, we want to basically, most of the solutions people are proposing are we want to cut down the capacity of the guns. So, yeah, you're still going to be able to come in and yeah. shoot people because it's America, but you're not going to be able to shoot as many people, all right? If you can just, yeah, you know, no yeah. bump stocks, no, you know, the thing – I think we all agree on that. It's better if you're better if there were only four people who have been killed, you know, last week than 17. We agree 100 percent that that's much better. All right. Yeah. But it's not going to save, you know, the lives in the inner city of Chicago. Cause a lot of those people are being killed by individual weapons, right? A Glock, you know, a, a, a pistol, a 22, right? 45, whatever the numbers are, you know, hike, hike. I don't know what the numbers mm. are. But the point is, is that, you know, individual guns, not very expensive guns, cheap guns, guns that four people can afford. And it's not going to help them. These changes we make with bump stocks. All right. For instance. Right? right at least to, you know sometimes every once in a while you will right. have a gun member who shoot off a, you know a, 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 but for the most part people are being killed onesie twosies you know the women who are being killed right. in domestic violence situations the three of them a day they're not getting shot up by by, by, but, by, AK, by ar-15s right and, and how do we deal with people absolutely. and even by the way with domestic violence we have the same attitude there which is hey you picked them that's your man all right pick better next time mm-hmm. And and how do we get in a situation right. where you know where we, we we stop everything else but you know the thing that we're all concerned about now, which are these mass events that happen to good people who don't deserve it, as opposed to those other people.
0: Well, I, I think it's just there right. are many layers to this. So one I think is there's an, an accessibility factor for weapons that didn't go right. through the processing in the background check system. Just, uh, just, just and sure so, clear, you're talking about you, third-party sales.
1: I come to you. I buy a gun from you. We don't go any background check, et right. cetera. Third-party
0: sales. Third-party sales. Uh, cousin, de- cousin delivery. <laughs> uh, gun shows are the same <laughs> way, right? Uh, in, in inheritance. Uh, yes, uh, gun shows, particularly gun mm. shows in rural areas. Uh, I know that... You know, one of the things that was surprising, they said Chicago has some of the toughest, I mean, Illinois as a state has some of the toughest gun laws in the nation. But the problem is people just go to Indiana and get them out of a gun show. And that's how they bring them into Chicago and all these different places. Uh, And and North Carolina is very similar. We we have smaller rural towns that have gun shows and people just ride out. And there's a way to keep it off the grid. And it is what it is. And I want to make this point, too, because you don't hear a lot of people talking about this. Not everyone who is a holder of an illegal gun is necessarily trying to engage in okay. criminal acts. Guns are are very expensive pieces yeah. of, of technology. Very expensive. And the average person doesn't have the 1500 set aside for the Desert right. Eagle You know, <laughs> to get in front of the store, but they may have $250 to give to their cousin Ray Ray just to have something to protect themselves and make them well, feel comfortable. You no, know, oh, exactly.
1: Well, you got so, me something to, to think about something I had never thought of. or right? A situation where, and no my, you know, my general mm-hmm. idea about this, is we get rid of all the guns of the 21st century, we're, we're too good for this. We're too, you know, but, 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 but I, I, I have a little sympathy for the single mother. All right. Working two jobs mm-hmm. who either one is worried about, you know, that, that you're, you know, walking home from the bus stop at 11 o'clock or, even maybe a situation yeah. where she's worried about her last boyfriend and remember we know that you know that that that, right. that women are more likely to be killed by you know boyfriend current or, or former future or whatever than by anyone else in the world and so she broke up with a boyfriend and now she she has this gun to protect herself because it, it's it's needed um you know and and and, that, and i never feel like i said never really had a back back and that woman isn't going to have money like i said to do the stuff we're talking about right to not only buy the gun right. from the, the you know, from right. the, you know the, the shop and then go through the background check and she could pass that, but then also to do something you talked about earlier, which is to care for a gun responsibly, it, 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 it's a, it seemed it seems to me you describing it, it's a lot like a pet. It might be worse.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, guns are dangerous. I, I think the only people who would right. disagree with me on that is the NRA. I, I got, everybody knows if you if you've ever gone. To any gun range or done any gun training, the first thing you do before you even pick up the gun is they go over safety every single time because everybody knows that the risk of uh, an accident when using or misusing right. a gun is is high and the cost can be great. But at the same time, you know, I think that's another layer of this entire gun debate. Um, there are a lot of people who have weapons, be it legally or illegally, but have never been trained on how to use them, never been trained on how to clean them, never been trained on how to shoot them, load them, or anything like that. Um, and and that also factors into the number of people who end up harming themselves or harming others simply because they don't know what they haven't been trained, or they don't know what they're doing with this dangerous piece of weaponry that they have in their homes, um, you know, and I think it, in in talking about gun reform, it becomes very difficult to really regulate because those people aren't doing anything wrong do. <laughs> until a situation puts them in place to do something wrong. Um, and and I don't think most people, you know, I think one of the the theories that, that the news at least puts out there is that gun owners are like basically walking around. The the community with their gun on their hip showing off. I will say that I've seen <laughs> people who do that, and to me, I, you know, I think I told you a couple episodes back about the old guy who did that at a donut shop, and it was like, yeah. really, like, like, what do you, what, what possibly are you concerned about in the donut shop? Uh, and those are the people who I feel like they're they're All really right. out more so for show than they are for. Doing anything, they just want to get a rise out of somebody, Um, and you just ignore them, you know, just like you would ignore people who walk around wearing Reynolds Wrap, (laughs) you know, dresses and all this stuff. You just ignore. So, so, um, you know, that. But there is an aspect, a realistic aspect, where if you're going to be a gun owner, there needs to be some kind of standard for accountability and responsibility. And I think that the the measure. What I'm getting ready to propose okay, which is, is a happy medium. I think I think that we need to either develop the technology that will allow the gun to identify right. who the user is and only okay. allow the authorized user to use the weapon or um, we need to have legislation that makes it a criminal offense, also punishable with jail time if that gun is used in the commission of a crime and has not been reported as stolen within a 24 hour period. Um, I think people need to be cognizant at all times of where their firearm is Um, in a day, in the day and age, like if this was 20 years ago, I might be more lenient, but we live in an age where people can get gun safes and combination locks at Walmart. So Like at the end of the day, it's kind of like you have options you can get. I was looking online. Walmart is selling gun boxes for one hundred and seventy dollars. So, I mean, if you if you bought the gun legally, you paid more than that. Um, And it just seems like if if we impose legislation on accountability, it serves two purposes. One, if the NRA wants to say uh, it's not guns that kill people, it's people who kill people. Then we're making people, we're forcing people to be responsible and accountable for the weapon that they own. Uh, Number two, we're not taking a weapon away from you. If anything, you're allowed to have whatever weapon that you want, but you have to be responsible about its storage and maintenance. And you have to know that your kid isn't gonna break in there and try to take it, or that somebody doesn't break into your house and try to take it. And if they do, you need to report it to the authority so that there can be an active investigation. If nothing else, to clear you of your liability.
1: Well, see, and you know, the only thing I'm wondering about is, you know, it, you know, how effective that investigation is if you didn't register the gun in the first place, as you got a third party sale. Right, and and that's um, the part
0: that I don't know that you can necessarily regulate because it's not like someone with an illegal weapon is ever going to call the police to report their illegal weapon stolen. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that well, I remember remember. You know, we have illegal weapons, right? You know, guns stolen, et cetera. But then you have these kind of that, that area of like the third party sales where it's not illegal for me to buy a gun from you, right? right? But it's not going to be registered in my name. But maybe in that context, here's the thing about it is if you had a, an active registration system that says, look, when you buy a gun legally, all right, you know, through dealer, whatever it is, you have it registered. Or if you're a gun dealer, gun, gun, gun dealer, you, you, you register the gun, like just like cars. Mm. And so every time there's a transfer, somebody's going to want to transfer out of their name. To into someone else's name so that, by the way, you know, you don't have a situation in which, um, people, police are coming to you about some gun you sold seven years ago. Right. right? So you're going to definitely want to, you always let the, everyone know. The NRA has been fighting for this for years because they say, Hey, you know what? If, if, if feds know where all the guns are, they'll just come round them all up. But that is such an absurd thing. You wow. know, the idea that, that, that feds are going to come and get 300 million guns with, with what, with what army? There are only 800,000 cops. Mm-hmm. I can't do the math, but that's 4,000 guns a cop. Right. Right. But the cops got the. How the cops are going to. How, how's this cop going to go out and and, and collect 4,000 guns? All right. And they're not coming to get your guns. All right. right. So so the idea that we give people to think about they're not coming to get my car. It's worth more than a gun. Right. They can come take that. <laughs> not coming to take my right. car either unless I don't pay for it, which is likely. All right? But other than that, right, the fans car, are never coming to take my car. So the point is, is that if we can get the RNRA that and they have a much more responsible system and have a, a liability system. Now, I can tell you, some people wouldn't go for criminal. I'd go for a civil liability. So it okay. Says, okay, you know what? You're responsible for, you know, you're going to lose your house. If that person goes out if you, if, if someone steals your gun, and you don't report it, or they, or you sell it to the person, and you don't report it. And, and, you know, then when, you know, when we find out who that gun is registered to, we're going to come take your house. You're going to be financially responsible for whatever damages they have. Okay. Right. And, and, and so that, you know, the basically the idea is that if you bring this element, of dangerous thing in society, that you can still use and enjoy it, but that you're responsible for the results. Just by the way, is if you brought a saber-toothed tiger in the community. All right. If you eat somebody, you're responsible. <laughs> now you, you, can, you know, you can be Siegfried and Roy and pet your lion all you want and enjoy yourself. But if it gets out. All right. Then you are financially responsible. And So I think that's probably a reasonable compromise that, that we could agree on that might stop, you know, some of this more, uh, you know, smaller stuff where, you know, you buy a gun from your buddy. All right. Or, you know, even even worse, you know, what we see in some of these cases where someone just borrows a gun.
0: Well, you know, or or, or steal it in the infamous words of the notes scribbled on Donald Trump's pamphlet. I hear you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're going to wrap up, but we do have to to mention that one of the most absurd things. And one of the things that's, that's interesting about these moments is that it brings out sometimes some of the best in people. Right. And okay. we've seen with those kids and how articulate, you know, by the way, I have to confess for years, I was kind of thinking that my career as a speaker um, was pretty much sewed up. I thought I was the last generation of Americans who learned how to speak. And so okay. I wasn't going to worry again, ever again about really um, ever not having a job because no one could do what I do. Um, I was proven wrong. Some of those kids were bad. On on, on the microphone, um, I was like, "Man, they better not come in this continuing education. I'm gonna have to give me get me a job. <laughs> these, these, these kids can 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 spoke. and so um, you know, so so we learned that, but but we also so so we learned that, and then we had those great moments, and then we had absurd moments like the listen session with the president. Uh, group of people got together and, and was victims from Columbine, from Sandy Hook, from the new, uh, Parkland, uh, thing. And they sat down and talked to the president to express their concerns. And the president is so naturally empathetic that, um, he decided right. to take notes beforehand. <laughs> and, listen to session. and, uh, to tell us some, some of the notes were. So I'm
0: I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Note note number one is, I guess this is the questions that he's supposed to ask. response, uh, absolutely. uh, Question number one, what would you most want me to know about your experience? Question number two, what can we do to help you feel better? I understand 17 people got killed in your school. Sad emoji. But what can we do to make you feel better? Then he has a whole bunch of them covered up, and I'm more scared about the ones he's got covered up because he at least oh, had God. he at least had to stop. So it probably was like, what percentage of the kids shot were African American?
1: No, that was his questions, his dating game questions. Because it sounded like a whole dating game. Didn't Bachelor number one, right? That was, you know, if you had a choice, what would you be, a puma or, you know, an ocelot, right? It was, you know, something ridiculous. But the last question takes the cake.
0: The last question, which is not even a question, it was a statement to remind Donald Trump, the President of the United States, mm-hmm. listening to grieving kids, he needed to re- reassure them there you go. that he is listening. So the last statement is, I hear you. <laughs> it was a point of emphasis. They wanted, to make sure, they wanted to make sure that he didn't miss that. Because you know, out of everything, if he doesn't hear them, then them coming up to talk to him was really a waste of time. Now we all know that he didn't hear them. We that's abundantly clear. But we need him to at least make the statement, the gesture, to oh, indicate. Saying-
1: you know, I, I- <laughs> Exactly. It was horrible though, because one of the kids um, they interviewed this morning and he found out about the list. Mm-hmm. And he was livid, because he's like, he said that five times. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> And now I found out he didn't mean that part. They knew he didn't mean all the stuff. He was talking about how he was going to fix it. They knew he didn't mean that. But he didn't even mean that he hurt him, right? uh,
0: No, man, you know, I I think that um, the big thing is we want to first make sure everybody understands the different aspects to the issue. And because of our podcast demographic, uh, we, we believe that we're informing black culture. But from the responses we've gotten on our Facebook page, Check us out, Brothers in Law, on Facebook. Um, We see that we have a wide array of people who uh, are fans of the show. We want you to understand that these rules cannot, A, do not uh, compare all gun owners to the NRA. All gun owners are not the NRA. The NRA does not represent every gun owner's interest. Number two, these issues are very complicated because when you talk about laws and legislation, they only apply to the people who have legally purchased their firearms. Okay. They they don't necessarily apply to the people who did not. And that's not to say that the people who didn't purchase them legally are out selling drugs and shooting people. It's just to say that they didn't come through the same channel and they probably can't be traced in the same fashion that somebody's legal weapon can be. Um, And we also need to understand, you know, the backdrop of American history and American culture And, you know, there is an impetus in the country, be it from our violent video games, which I happen to be a big Grand Theft Auto fan myself. uh, But there is is a a lure uh, that gun violence has that I'm not sure we will ever get to the bottom of or or ever be able to rectify because to do so would be essentially to erase uh, the first stanza of the Star Spangled Banner. And it's hard enough trying to keep them to erase the second stanza talking about the slate. So, um, you
1: know. Absolutely. But, you know, the thing I learned from this, I came in this very, very, and I'm still, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say, you know, my natural inclination is like, you know, to be the most, you know, extreme position possible. Um, But, you know, the thing I'm coming to understand is because I have you and a a couple of other people, you know, that, that I know and respect that actually, you know, have guns for whatever reasons enthusiasts protection that the nra really is not um the majority of gun owners i think their membership is like five million of 90 million gun owners they have a tiny smidgen and the nra's job and it does its job very well is to represent the interest of gun manufacturers and distributors, it's the same way as uh, uh, right. the, the National Association of Auto Dealers or anything else. It's someone whose job it is to protect the rights of people who make a living selling arms. They do that job very well. That's exactly what you right. want your trade association to do to you know get you very little regulation. And, and, and the National Association of Pharmaceutical companies would do the same thing, right? Try to keep prices high and all that. The problem is, yeah. or the thing that's gotten conflated here is they're not just an organization that has, you know, 45 gun manufacturers, but it got all of their customers to somehow come on board with them and and become a bo- big voting block in this organization that only still is serving the interest of the 45 or so manufacturers, right? Maybe, you know, several hundred dealers. It's not serving the interest of the actual individual um, members, who are just as likely to be had their kids shot in school as mm-hmm. anybody else. And so it has this weird situation yeah. where if you start conflating the NRA with its members, you'll realize that most of the members are probably opposed to this. And that the, I'm sorry. And even the members that, I'm sorry, that, that, that are, you know, voting against their own interests, they're still a very small minority of gun owners. So the most of the gun owners are people like you who would be reasonable and would allow some form of reasonable regulation. So we got to figure out a way to get around the the, the, the NRA. And then, and, and then the, the other thing is, is that, you know, in an ideal world, you know, if we didn't have the guns, we'd get rid of them. I like the idea of cutting down the violence, all right, so making guns less lethal to the extent mm-hmm. we can. But we're still at some point down the line going to have to deal with this issue that you know, we we at the beginning of the podcast, which is this streak in, 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 in Americans that maybe I'm, I, I'm I'm ignorant and don't realize that's just a man-made thing that all you know Homo sapiens are are, are, are naturally drawn to, to to violence and destruction. But I suspect that as Americans, uh, we're m- more Homo than we like to admit. And a little yeah, less. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. That's definitely
0: true. And and I think, you know, in, in your point with the NRA, uh, the NRA does two things really well. One is they use every <laughs> opportunity they can to reframe the question that's presented. So it's the only agency where a school shooting is good business for them, right? Because if the government comes out and like, oh, we got to do somebody's guns, they can say, look at here, America, they're trying to take away your Second mm-hmm. Amendment rights. The second thing is marketing. The um, NRA has done a great job of convincing really conservative people (laughs) for the most part that guns are their guy giving birthright and that they need as many guns as they can get and that they need to be prepared for an all out battle with the federal government when they come knocking at their door to take the guns away. And the demographic they serve oftentimes tends to believe that. Now, again, I don't think that these are traditional gun owners. I think these are uber enthusiasts, radical white right wing conservatives. But at the same time, they're going to hear the dog whistle nature of what the uh, the, the chair of the NRA says, and they're going to run with it. Uh, and so, anytime the NRA has an opportunity to stand up against the media, they're going to wholeheartedly take advantage of it and they're going to encourage that demographic to buy more guns. So, that's why you'll see the trend when gun talk is, is in the news, sales go up because everybody's threatened that the government's going to somehow take away guns. The other thing I want to make sure you put out there is um, guns never decrease in value, guns always increase in value. So even if you look at it from a, a perspective of an investment, if you buy a gun today, let's say you get a cheap gun at like four hundred dollars. Right. You buy a gun today. That gun 20 years from now is going to mean something um, to the point that people also have gun trust. Um, as part of my job when, in my former life, I represented a guy whose gun trust was supposed to be uh, devised okay. to his daughter upon his passing but his sons had ended up stealing all the guns and going to another state and they were convicted felons. So it was the daughter's attempt to try to get back these family heirlooms. She had guns that go back to the civil war period that were in a gun trust that were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, And that was, you know, he didn't have any money, but he left the gun trust to her for the purpose of, you know, having an asset. Uh, So, it's just, you know, there's a there's a, a cultural thing there. But uh, as everybody says, if you want to have real gun reform in a short amount of time, all we have to do is get every single black person listening to the podcast and beyond. Tell them to go down and um, buy a gun, like register against your firearm get permit. Uh, you know, go buy a gun and don't just buy the gun. I mean, go to the range, like go, go to some of these rural small towns where they've never seen black people and take in, you know, your, your AK 47 and start shooting, start shooting and, you know, and put a mean look on your face. And, and you'll be surprised the kinds of conversation and, and, and the great, uh, integration of thought that you'll have, uh, when you have these situations come up. Um,
1: you know, it's a culture. It, 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 you know, it, it is cultural. We should talk about it all night. Um, uh, but, but some of us, uh, have work in the morning. Um, so, hey, everybody, thanks for, for being here. Um, we will hear, well, you'll hear us next time. We're you, you, not going to do nothing with you, but you'll hear us next time. <laughs> uh, oh, but you can do something with us by interacting with us on the Facebook page. Um, we're always posting, um, you know, some, some talking conversation we could have talked about. Um, the um, um Black Panther all week if you've been with us. So come on onto the page, yes. and uh, we'll even teach you the handshake. If you're white, you can't use it in public, but you can do it in private.
0: <laughs> yeah, come on onto the podcast. And also, for those of you all listening on iTunes or Google Play, uh, feel free to shoot some reviews our way. We like having Thank five you. stars on there. We're trying to get this thing together so that, you know, we make our presentation to Hennessy and to Coca-Cola. We'll be able to get both sponsorship deals. Side note, once again, Hennessy and Coca-Cola, if either of you are listening, uh, checks can be made payable to to Jesse McCoy and Sean Carter. And we'll be more than happy to, you know, if you want us to sample your product on the
1: air, whatever you need us to do, we'll be more than happy
0: to to do that, as
1: long as fair, fair enough, but, 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 but Wayne Lapierre, don't don't come here calling. No, I'm gonna put a foot no, down here. Just do not take call. your money. I ain't taking your money. Do not call. Don't call. All right, brother. <laughs> <laughs>